0: Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out Anchor.fm or download the app to get started. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How will we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question Everything. Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hey, guys, and welcome to the 82nd episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. I'm Shane, as you know, from the intro, all that fun shit. But before we get into the show today, we got to do, you know, the usual front of the house type shit. So if you don't mind, drop me a review, a rating, share with a friend, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's always really nice to see reviews, um, see the stars, you know, it, it just bumps the show up, man, so that it'll pop up on other people's stuff and they start trying to look for it. Um, just all around it. it it's just going to help the show grow. So I can't begin to describe how much I would appreciate it if you guys wouldn't mind dropping a review or rating dude or even sharing with a friend like I said that's always the next best thing um yeah just word of mouth man that's the only way podcasts can grow and uh while you're at it if you're just really into the show and you enjoy it man come and check out my social media I'm mainly active on Instagram um I do have a telegram group as I usually mention in the beginning of the show uh still trying to build that one up but it'll get there eventually it's all a matter of work everything's a work in progress and all I can do is uh keep building the show and if I have an end point then I'm just capping myself off. So I just got to keep doing it and see where it runs at. So go and follow on social media if you want updates on the show. Um, if you want to get into some of the other shows that I do, um, I kind of keep everything under Open Minds Media now. Um, so that's just kind of like my general production podcast, whatever you want to call it, company. So um, under that, you have Inquiries of Our Reality. You got Big Dumb Inquiries with uh, Kyle Rainey from the Big Dumb Podcast. You got Bizarre Encounters with Ghost from My Third Eye. Um, and then you got my little snippet... Um, Patreon show that I do. It's just an exclusive little short show um, called Bite Size Bizarries. It's kind of like an offshoot of Bizarre Encounters, where it's all about paranormal, extraterrestrial, um, cryptids, all that fun stuff. But it's put into little bite-sized portions so that you know you can fill in that gap before lunch. Because that was kind of my idea behind it: is that I listen to podcasts all day. You get like a half hour before lunch. You don't really want to start a new one and cut off the show. So I just want to create something short, just to kind of fill in those gaps. So if you're interested in that, go check it out. It's all on the Patreon. Um, Speaking of the Patreon, like I said, all of these shows are all under the Open Minds Media Patreon now. So rather than just getting one show for your Patreon bucks, you get four shows and you get early access to the shows. Uh, you get access to live streams of Increase of Our Reality, which is exclusive just to Patreons. Um, everybody else, you get the early access, whatever. But if you want to be specifically in the show, you want to throw some questions in that I can ask the guests. So it's always an option. So come check out Increase of Our Reality live and bite-sized size all under the patreon and you know if that if that's not really your cup of tea but you really enjoy the show um i try to do the whole like value for value kind of concept where i don't really want to put a bunch of stuff behind paywalls Butt size bizzarties I me mean, that's just my little whatever side little thing but i'm not going to cut episodes in half i'm not going to do any of that kind of fun stuff so if you enjoy the show and you value what i do man come and donate to the show so I can eventually hopefully do this as a full-time gig so I can create even more awesome content for you guys. And I can just get even better with my content because realistically, man, this is where my passion's at. This is what I want to be doing. And they always say, you got to find something you enjoy and then figure out how to live off of it. And that's what I'm trying to do, man. And the only way I'm going to get to that point is with your guys' help because... Come on, man. I I want to be a professional podcaster. I just want to be able to sit here, do this all the time, talk to you guys, talk to interesting people. And... Put more time and effort into my show because working a normal job, taking care of a family, and doing a podcast on top, it's kind of a lot. It'd be cool if I could kick out the normal job out of that equation and just worry about family and my podcast because, come on, man, that, that's a, that's my passion all around. And I'll only get to that point with your guys' help. But if you want to donate to the show, you can go on Kofi, which is kind of like buying a cup of coffee for somebody, whatever you want to call it. Uh, you can go to Anchor. Uh, on anchor that's you know my normal host rss feed but you can donate directly on there um if you want to do something a little bit more personal uh i also have venmo cash App, paypal all of those are under my personal name rather than the show so it's going to be at shane jones 1994 and that's s-h-a-y-n um if you want to contribute to the show in even another way and you want to get something back for it uh, i have a merch store set up um by the time this comes out, hopefully I'll have it all categorized under the Open Minds Media merch store rather than an Inquiries of Our Reality merch store, Bizarre Encounters merch store, all that fun shit. But all four shows, all the merch for all that fun stuff, all available, all in that category. Um, go and check it out, the Open Minds Media Patreon. Um, and if you want some other, other merch, Crypto I know I talk about it on every show, but you know I, I just love what Joe does over there, man. He's a good guy. Uh, we talk a lot. We get a lot of cool stuff done. So... We got the Bizarre Encounters collab design. Pretty fucking sweet. It's a Mortal Kombat reference with uh, Ghost and I. And we're... Fu- it's it, Just check it out. If you haven't seen it, man, do yourself a favor. Go and check it out. Um, and while you're at it, dude, check out all of Crypto Theology's awesome designs. He's got a bunch of different references to comic books. He's got references to bands, all encrypted form. He's got the serial cryptid thing going on. He has different uh, subcategories, I guess you say. The series where it's specific cryptids, depending on specific locations and states. Like he's always doing something new, man. Like rather than having just the boring mundane, like here's a big on a t-shirt. This guy goes out of the way and does some crazy awesome designs, which is why I personally wanted to hook up with him where he's not a sponsor of the show. We're teamed up, man. Like we, we both help each other out and we progress together. Like we're not making money off of each other. We're just doing it because we genuinely like to work together. So I'm going to promote the dude because Joe's a fucking sweet guy. So Go and check out Crypto Theology. Um, for anybody that wants to know how that's spelled, it's C R Y P T O T E E O L O G Y. And if you want to check out the website, just add a dot com to the end of that. And if you don't want to have to look it up that way, I put everything under the link trees. So I have two that I'm going to share with you. I got the Increase of Our Reality link tree, which is L I N K T R period E slash Increase of Our Reality podcast. But if you want to be able to find just the the umbrella of all the shows, you'll be able to find that bizarre encounters, bite-sized bizarrities, big dumb inquiries. You can check out the Open Minds Media Patreon for that. L-A-N-K-T-R.E-E slash open underscore minds underscore media. And with that, let's get into the show today. Welcome to the show, Chris Holm from Conspiracy Theory Podcast. How's it going today, man? What's up, man? How you doing? Not too bad, man. Pleasure to have you on the show finally. We did a little bit of bouncing around, tried to figure stuff out like a month ago and finally made it happen, man.
1: Yeah, I I'm, I'm so glad that you reached out to me, dude. It's like introducing me to your show or your shows <laughs> is is like so so freaking awesome, dude. I'm so glad you reached out cuz then I see all these other shows that you're a part of and I've just been binging like all of them, dude. I've been listening to like a, a whole bunch of them. I, I really love them. So thank you for for introducing me to your content, man. That's the coolest thing. And I realized I was like looking back through my um, YouTube blog, and 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 I see that I actually did watch one of your interviews on Paranormal Chop Shop. Sometimes I'll come on there, and then they'll like they'll like uh, we'll we'll shoot the crap every now and then, and then it's like, oh, dude, I have seen this guy before. And and I'm so glad to finally, you know, actually connect with your stuff because I guess I must have gotten it when I was in passing and stuff like that because I watched the whole thing. So it's like, it's like I I, I really dig your show and stuff. And I guess you came on to me when I was, I had just finished an interview with uh, Bo from Bump Podcast. Yeah. Talking to him was a real pleasure. And I guess, you know, you kind of like hit on some of the same issues that sort of he does. On that sort of side of the aisle, and, and it's like it, it's I'm really excited to be here, dude. Dude,
0: I really appreciate that and uh, all the compliments, man. Like it's it's awesome to think that you know I'm going on to about a year or so now, and it's cool that I kind of like have feelers a little bit everywhere where even if people don't know me directly. It's kind of cool that they've heard of me, and I mean even just uh paranormal chop shop, like that was a really fun show. I'm glad that you uh, were able to pop in for all that, <laughs> and uh back on Bo too. Um, Bo is one of my personal favorites. So as soon as I heard you on his show, man, I was like, all right, this guy, he sounds like he's going to be really interesting to talk to. So it's, I was already like halfway through the episode and I was already hitting up Bo like, Hey, where's this guy's information? I got to hit this guy up. So
1: the feeling's mutual, man. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he, he is just such a cool guy and, and it's just this sort of like this sort of, I guess, I don't know what it, what to call it. Like rebel conspiracy. People want to, want to label it. They want to push it into the alt-right envelope and and stuff like this and it's like it's not really that because most of the people like they're pushed they're not right wing at all they're just pushed into the right because the left is so you know uh, venomous and, and and you know just just crazy and there's so much shit going on right now that i think you know people say that the that the pendulum is swinging i mean yeah uh People are spazzing out and shit like that, but the people who are still in charge are still nutcases. So nothing's really changing. It's just people are getting losing money and they're getting tired of losing money. So the the illusion of we're winning, you know, I don't buy into that for a second. We still gotta, we still gotta, you know, just as a as a culture, and as you know, as as just paying customers and stuff, we still have to, you know, hold the line, so to speak, you know, and say, you know. It's like, hey, you know, we still want, you know, good stuff. We still want good things, you know, because, you know, I mean, I when I entered into conspiracy stuff, it's like I wanted conspiracies to be fun and shit because the conspiracies I'm thinking about is, you know, the fun shit, you know, uh lizard people, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton eats babies, you know, um, <laughs> O.G. Simpson didn't do it, you know, harmless shit that's not supposed to get you killed. But now it's like if you have the slightest disagreement with the push narrative, it's like, oh. You're down the memory hole. You're, you're depersoned. You're de everything. Saying they're trying
0: to throw a title on it too. They're trying to call a conspiracy theorist, a uh, domestic terrorist. That's like the new wave of different things. And uh, it, it's just a matter of, it shows that we're talking about stuff. They don't want us to be talking about. Otherwise they wouldn't be throwing that title on. They just kind of would leave us alone. Like they kind of always have like, Oh, that guy's crazy. over I don't there, know, you know
1: if it's, they don't want us to talk about it. It's they don't want us to disagree with them. That they too. want to run the conversation. And what's going on is what we in the in the 80s, we used to have something called the fairness doctrine, which was the if you're going to have any kind of you know network show, if you're going to have one side, you have to have give equal time to the opposing side. And that was done away with. And and then we, you know, and then from then on, everything became echo chambers, as as we like to say. I mean. There's nothing wrong with having a bias so long as you're up front with it. But what's going on now is that because people have their bias and such, it's like, well, I'm going to only, you know, like it somehow became accepted that only one side of the conversation is allowed at all. And any encounter stuff, it gets wrapped up. They call it hate speech and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, no, no, no one hates anybody. You know, we're just at a disagreement. And then when we have evidence to prove up our point, you know, well they get they get pushed out. I mean, you know, like the the rise of Silicon Valley is just a bunch of fat nerds who really, really, really want to get laid, and they they think that oh, if I appease to the these psycho chicks that that are fucking crazy and stuff like this at the colleges and stuff like this you know then then maybe you know they'll like me and stuff because if you think about it i mean there's no romantic romanticized film about the rise of silicon valley like there is with like the rise of wall street you see like wolf of wall street it's all like badass cocaine hot chicks and fast cars and shit you know the the color of money and all that stuff i mean there, there, I think they tried to make a couple uh, Rise of Silicon Valley movies and they completely bombed because he wants to see a dork in a beanbag chair, you know, clicking away <laughs> at the keypad. No one wants to see that shit. That's not glamorous. That's not romantic, you know, so and I can see that and I think, you know, these people, they're still in charge and I, it's just, you know, it's just, it, it's frustrating you know, on a, on a cultural level. But yeah, we still got to you know, in a way, stick together and let up. And the thing is, you know, we're, we're all going to disagree and, and, you know, butt heads too. But, you know, I try my best, you know, just as as out of principle to be a free speechist type of guy, you know, a free speech type of thing. And I know that even that right there, you know, rubs people the wrong way on both sides because usually free speech means, oh, the shit that I disagree with or the shit I find abhorrent or whatever of that nature, you know. It's just, it's just, there, there's a time and a place for most stuff, but it's like, you know, I mean, it's just a very difficult thing to keep up with at times because the line is always moving. And the thing is, it's always moving, you know, to, to the left, unfortunately. I mean, politically, not to get too political on here, but it's just things just keep pushing back now. And more and more people are being pushed into the so called right. You know where where it's like you know these people they're not right at all i'm let me give you a good example is uh chrissy mayer who's a comedian you know she's she's total you know lefty you know whatever it is you know funny chick but she's hilarious and she was you know pushed into the to the right and because she talked to people you know from from everywhere from every walk of life and and you know And of course she's blown up, but she's constantly getting targeted and canceled and and harassed by these crazies and nut jobs and stuff like this. And I think it's just par for the course, unfortunately.
0: I mean, do you think it's intentional to begin with that they tried to make the left so out there ridiculous that it pushes everybody to the right because they are intentionally trying to get everybody into the same method of thinking in that way that it's like you, you got you got to make something so out there ridiculous that the average person can no longer be part of it. And then after that, essentially, you like unintentionally push everybody to one side. So then at that point you can control a bigger group of people because this little subsection of people they can just kind of be off doing their own crazy shit and they let them kind of just you know get away with what they're getting away with again in order to piss off the right side more and again push more people that way but I don't know about you but it's kind of like I don't really know where to place myself. I don't
1: I don't want to say yeah. that I'm necessarily right either because Yeah, I get that. I get that. I I, I think I'm in the same boat as you are. We may tech we may tick-tock on different issues. But that's the thing that's that was like politics as a whole is that with the the dynamic that they have, the right left dynamic, it's it contradicts itself at times where, you know, no matter what where your principles lie, you're going to have a little bit of this and a little bit of that anyways. There is no straight way that, uh, that you can be on an issue. No one can be 100% on the right or 100% on the left. I mean,
0: I mean people you know, will just change look, their views to try to like fit in with that group too. That's the other thing that's kind of unfortunate, is that people yeah, well, assume that you have to be this in order to fit into this category and they're scared to like stray their ideas away, even though they agree with some stuff, but they don't agree with other stuff, but they don't want to say that they disagree with this stuff because they want to feel yeah. like they're part of that group more, you know?
1: They'll just they'll just shut up until, you know, their ass is on the line, until they get caught. People don't really don't really disagree, they get caught. They get caught with their pants down they, they get they get like all of a sudden something pops up you know someone wants to take them out type of thing and i i do you know when i was talking with Bo, i do feel like it's that part of that participation trophy mentality where what i believe all these activist types are yearning for is accomplishment Mm -hmm. whenever they push anything, it's I'm the first X, I'm the first Y, I'm the first whatever, you know, I mean, just look at the comic book stuff, because I pay attention to a lot of comic books because I, you know, because, you know, when I'm doing anything, I'm either drawing, you know, Luelo Zondo punching himself in the balls or something, (laughs) you know, some ridiculous, you know, super girl with big titties or something of that nature, you know, that that's just what I do. So that's kind of the world that I'm in a little bit. I have a, like a toe in that world. And so much of it is just, you know, we have a sect of people who are cast for their position. You know, I mean, if you look back through history, you'll see that diversity was naturally always there and they always use that as a shield for their for their, their, their process. It's like, oh, we're doing this under the guise of diversity and inclusion when really Merit is the most diverse and inclusive because you're getting the best of the best. People are there because they're great and whatever it is that they happen to be, it didn't matter because, you know, why should it? And naturally, you know, people end up being naturally diverse because you know, I mean, like, like we'll use the argument of the Black Panther, which is coming out right now. You know, people like to say, oh, Black Panther, the first black superhero. And then guys of us in the 90s are like, yeah, what about Blade, motherfucker? You know, and <laughs> what and about stuff Luke like Cage? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Luke Cage back in the day, you know, and I'm sure that there were even more before him. And it's just this sort of, it's just this sort of, you know, I want headpats so bad. I'm willing to, to you know, uh, overwrite history just to get it. And I guess it's this, this goldfish mentality that we have that we completely forget about shit. And, and it's just, it's, it's draining sometimes. Dude, going
0: into the comic book aspect of thing, one thing that's kind of driven me crazy about the whole like woke perspective of things nowadays is that you have all these classic comic book characters that have been the same characters, same, you know, same way of acting for essentially like 50, 60 years and, and now they're trying to, like, flip them up where they're like, oh, this character's gay now. This character's this now. This character's that now. And it's like the people who have been reading that shit for years don't want that stuff to change. Like, leave it how it is because that's how they, they've they wanted it. That's what got them into it in the first place. Like, if you deem it necessary to signal how virtuous you are with a comic book, like, create a whole new character or something. You know what I mean? Like, don't, don't tarnish the names of the ones that have been around forever. And you're seeing this all across media now, dude, that they... uh they have all this woke stuff that they got to try to fill into everything. So they're trying to create a media that they see and intend for everybody, not realizing that not everybody wants that. Like when it comes to media entertainment, like people like having their subcategories of things, like there's nothing that you're ever going to be able to create. That's a universal for everybody. that's going to make everybody happy. So stop trying to do that and start Mm -hmm. making things that are intended for who you're trying to make, like make them for, you know what I mean? Like, if you're trying to make, like, some dark, uh, bloody comic book movie, you know, there's no need to try to throw in all this extra extra virtue signaling aspects to it. Like, save that for its own fucking thing and just leave the dark, gritty comic book heroes as they've always been and the true characters that people have
1: always enjoyed for years, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've got a good point there. It's that this stuff, It they say the, the, the buzzword that we've been trained to look out for is made for a modern audience but the thing is the modern audience is you know is everybody but they're clearly making it for a niche audience they're making it for their friends in portland that's what happened to the animation scene for quite a few years there was this segment where you know cartoon network was the bomb they had the best shows dexter's laboratory powerpuff girls you know all this shit. and then and then they just Delved out complete crap. Sure. Some of it was like successful, like Steven Universe, who I'm told is successful. I never watched it because, you know, I don't give a shit about that, but it's, <laughs> it's, there are stuff out there that's, that's, you know, I'm told is very good that appeal to a mass audience. But the thing is, is that they, then they have a bunch of drivel up there, but it's not made for, you know, the general audience. It's made for just, you know, the specific weirdos in Portland. And they're just making it for each other or they're making it for the press. And that's another thing, too, is that the press, you know, they're they're, you know, fighting for, you know, to keep themselves in a exalted position. That's why when people got like all pissed off about, you know, the stuff that's going on with Twitter right now. Now, I'm not saying I don't believe that that elon is a savior nor do i believe that trump is a savior i don't believe that these people are savior i believe that they're just regular men they have flaws and stuff you know all of our people that we like to pipe up they're all flawed individuals you know but even then they're still you know they're still doing you know like rocking the boat in a way and i hate going into that mentality of my enemy's enemy is my friend when it's like, no, your your enemy's enemy just isn't your enemy yet, type of thing. And yeah, we'll we'll have to deal with the, you know those roads when we cross them. But right now, I'm just enjoying the show, you know, watching people burn their own cities down and stuff like this, over over Twitter stuff like like with the Twitter thing that's going on right now is that, you know, people are upset about the blue checks. And it's like, well, what upsets you more, that it's $8 now or that anyone can pay $8? Because that seems to be what upsets them more. It's not the $8, but that anyone can pay 8 bucks Now, I do think that, you know, they, they're they going through growing pains right now. And once they figure out the verification stuff like this to make sure so that way, you know, because there's like a lot of crap that I think one of the insulin companies like, You know, got into a bit of a snafu because someone with a verified account, you know, uh, impersonated an insulin company and said, "Oh, insulin's free now," and then their stocks, like you know, rocketed down and stuff like this, and they lost tons of money, you know, overnight because of a, a, a verification scam like that. Now, yeah, that stuff needs to be weeded out, which it absolutely can be, but you know again, that's, that's growing pains of the process, you know, cause we've had like a major change of management, but before what we're seeing is what was, you know, the, the establishment front, you know, suddenly get uprooted now. And people are like going to, uh, and I love it where all these, these celebrities and stuff, they're going to Mastodon now, (laughs) which is hilarious because it's like, Mastodon is like one of those, it's, it's like, it's one of those like uh decentralized type of uh, things and it's, it's clearly it's not Twitter, but again, it's, it's, for some reason they've all been told that that's where they have to go. And then they go there and they, they have like, Oh, there's thousands of people on here, you know? And then they only get like five followers because they don't <laughs> know how it works and they can't cancel people over there. Like they can over here, you know? And, and it's just, it's just a different game. And it's, it's just the, the, from what I've seen so much of of this is just you know you know we we put these these people who put themselves in these positions of you know like the high priest of of our culture and stuff like this you know they're they're getting pissed because they're getting dethroned i mean network television right now is at war with YouTube you know I mean I know that, that the of- guys like yeah, guys like us may be on the small end because, you know, we, we, we may not get as many views as the larger channels, but there are larger channels that are getting more views than major network television shows. And that's pissing them off. And, and even though they have the, the large capital, you know, they don't have the audience. And then they go to YouTube and say, you know, Hey, put us up at the front. Anytime you open up your YouTube page, what is it? It's, it's, uh, you know, maybe four four little slots of stuff that you actually do watch, and then the rest of the front page is just network, 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 and it's just it's it's just you know it, it's just frustrating to watch, and you know and but it we slog through it.
0: It's one of those things that kind of goes back to uh, what we're kind of saying a little bit earlier that people don't want that for everybody media. Everybody wants like the niche things. So that's why it's becoming such a big problem is that,
1: well, they're not even making it. They're not even making it for everyone. They're making it for themselves. And the problem is they, their tastes suck. You know, um, (laughs)
0: They're trying to normalize their concepts to the general yeah, public, assuming exactly. that that's what everybody wants to see now, not realizing that they're only, like you said, only uh, really doing something for like 5%, you know? Yeah, of, of Yeah. The well, the population. thing is is
1: that, you know, I mean, even gay people like Superman, the, the regular Superman, because he's an aspirational character. He's an aspirational to, to everyone. And, yeah, I get it that everyone wants a little representation every now and then, But the problem is, is that these writers, this new crop of writers, they're the most boringest, uninteresting people ever. I mean, back in the day, you know, I mean, even before us, our our predecessors, they had people like, uh, what was it, like Hunter S. Thompson, uh, you know, Hawthorne and all these guys, you know, what did they do? They went out, they had adventures, they did drugs, they fucked women, and They, you know, sometimes got fucked by men, but the thing is they, they had adventures. They, they did crazy shit. They got high, you know, they got, they got crazy, you know, they got in trouble. They did all of the, they had adventure, they lived life. So when they put that stuff into their writing, it's an interesting person writing an interesting character what has become comics now is it's no longer, you know, a super-powered person goes on adventures. It's now, um, you know, super-powered person, you know, goes to meetings and then, you know, goes to, to Starbucks and hangs out with their friends over at lunch and just eats lunch. They're either going to meetings or they're eating lunch and then... The the way that they say, "Oh, this person's is great," is they have someone look up to them and say, "Oh, that person is so awesome," which of course never happens because, you know, in real life, no one's looking up to these people. No one's looking up to them. No one's admiring them because they're boring as fuck. Hmm.
0: <laughs> I mean, when it comes to like the whole comic book aspect too, I feel like part of the issue that a lot of the writers have is that anybody looks for any reason to be offended in anything. So half the time. Even if there are good writers, I feel like they get silenced mm-hmm. and canceled because if they make something that's just a little bit edgy, and knowing how comic books have always been, they've always been intended to be edgy. Um, you know, they they're scared to do it. They don't want to get in trouble. They don't want the backlash. They don't want uh, people trying to come back and cancel culture them because you know they may have made like, for example. Like a like a group of bad guys that's uh, based off of like primates and then certain p- groups of people are going to take that as like, oh, you're trying to say that these are like African American people or some shit like that, you know, like they, they'll just look for any reason to be offended within shit and th- they'll, they'll make a huge deal out of it. Like you go back into the old days and you got like Captain America punching fucking uh, Hitler on the front cover of old comic books. You know, I feel like you try to do stuff like that nowadays and like there's going to be somebody who's going to look for a reason to be offended and they're going to blow it up and turn it into something that it was never intended to be. And even continuing into just like even comedy, like you see that with that too is that people can't make jokes or day things anymore because like as far as I'm concerned there's there's some cutting edge comics, but for the most part like comic comedy movies are dead because you can't do that kind of stuff because the only thing you can really make comedy about now is just like drug jokes. Like you, you go yeah. back to like 90s comedy, dude, and none of that shit yeah. would fly nowadays. Even 2010, none of it would fly because somebody would be pissed off about every five minutes of something in the movie. Yeah, or some yeah. Joke well, every five the way that
1: comedy is set up, someone has to be the butt of the joke for the joke to work. And right now, the only people who are allowed to be the butt of the jokes is just, you know, what is it? The straight white male. And it, and the thing is, is that because of that, then that becomes the only character that's allowed to grow, you know, in the story because they're the only ones that have actually kind of hardships do, to deal with what they do now. I guess what's sort of passing for comedy now is the Marvel movies and they try to put comedy in in the the superhero stuff because it can't go anywhere else because they have no other tricks to endear people to these characters, because, you know, again, they they can't have the support of writing there, you know. Um, and now, like, you know, I mean, we we still have great comedy and stuff. Of course, the thing is, we have to go behind the dumpster to get it and stuff like this, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like. It's only kept alive
0: through some stand-up comedians nowadays. I feel, but a lot of the like ones that are honestly really good, talented stand-up comedians, they don't get any type of like credit on any of the major platforms because they don't fit that narrative.
1: Well, people complain about well, it's they don't want racial humor, but they still have racial humor. It's just instead of you know a white guy Bill Burr going up, oh Ching Chong Ching Chong, you know doing the the Asian accent, instead you have an Asian guy who's comes out from nowhere that's propped up by Netflix and then he does oh so my grandpa ching chong ching chong ching chong he still does the racial humor but the thing is is that it's the person delivering it absolutely sucks and uh-huh. has like you know zero merit to it so all this stuff, you know, it, it's like what, what they used to call bisexually is just gay with extra steps. So we're still getting racism, you know, in, in our comedy with a couple of extra steps. And the thing is, those steps suck because we're stepping through dog shit to make it happen. You know, so the stuff is still there. It's just we have to slog through crap now just to get to it. And the right. gems aren't worth the, the push, you know, type of thing.
0: Oh, no, for sure. And I mean, when it comes into, like, female comics, too, it's like, I feel like female comics are kind of trapped in, like, a small box where the only jokes they can really make is, like, dirty girl jokes, but not, like, good dirty girl jokes, like like Amy Schumer type stuff, where she's just like, oh, yeah, so I'm dealing with my crotch and it just stinks. Ha, 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 ha. Like, it's, it's not funny. And it just kind of, like, puts women down in an aspect that the only popular... Stand-up women comedians have to be talking about like being single essentially and just being like, just, just going into like the, the, you know, gross side of being a female. And unfortunately they get, they get trapped in that. And then as soon as they start getting to a point where they start getting into like a family and they start getting into like family humor for whatever reason, like the general public doesn't seem to want to hear that like family humor from like, from like a woman, but it seems like guys can kind of get away with it, but that's because they kind of add that raunchy twist onto it. But like women add the same kind of raunchy twist onto it as like the male comedians do talking about families. And it just doesn't get picked up because everybody, when it comes to females, they just want, I don't know, just like derogatory things towards females. Like you even see the same thing in like hip hop, like the only female rappers you ever really see are ones that are talking about some just like really dirty, gross, like off the wall type shit.
1: And then it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the wet ass pussy.
0: Mm-hmm, exactly and it's like wh- where's where's like the female rappers we had back in the 90s and stuff they were talking about like politics and problems and like living in like bad communities and like whatever just like actually having a message that they're trying to portray other yeah. than the fact of like i'm hot come get me i'd tell everybody that i don't want them because i'm better than them you know what i mean yeah. and then it goes into yeah, this well, whole they, statistic yeah. of like putting yeah. men down so like men's um inhibition or whatever you want to say towards like women, they feel like they can't get women anymore because all these women are talking about how they're a bad bitch, you know, and nobody can get me. So it's just, it's putting men down in a sense too. And mm-hmm. it's also putting women down. Cause again, you're looking at them in a derogatory way, but you're putting them up on like a pedestal in a sense. So it's like you're over sexualizing them, but to a point of like, they're unachievable almost, you know?
1: Well, it, it's sort of like, this is the, the ob- objectification complex where it's, you know, um, <clears throat> It's like I can objectify myself that's good that's empowerment but if you objectify me that's discrimination that's 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 a phobism. you know you're in the wrong whereas when I do it I'm in the right it's this obscene double standard that we see and and it's rather egregious I mean people like to throw titles on shit too and that's where half the problem is, is that people
0: overexploit like a title like people like to throw the term racism around like rapidly not even realizing like what racism truly is and means like you're in america and somebody makes like a like a racial joke and people are like oh you're a racist and they're blowing that person up not realizing that like real racism is shit that's going on in other countries where they're you know doing mass genocide over a race of people like that's real racism making jokes about stereotypes of other races like that's not real racism that's like discri- maybe discriminating yes of course but it's it's not racism, but people try to slap that extreme title on everything. Conspiracy theory saying like domestic terrorists, like you throw an extreme title on it and you create an enemy out of somebody.
1: I was saying, what I was saying was about the racism that it's still there. It's just, you know, we, we just have to get it through the filter of, of, a, of a so-called marginalized person instead of just getting it straight, you know, but it, it's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you had a good point there and it's, this, it's, it's just, it's, you know, I mean, the edgy stuff, you know, it's still there. But the thing is, is that with uh, with any good writing, you have to challenge characters. Characters have to be challenged. What's going on now is that female characters are being written where they're coming out perfect. And the problem isn't that that they have to achieve something. The problem is they need to be recognized as great, which is, you know, narcissistic and and. And unrealistic because they never grew, they never developed. They just started out perfect. That's like Mary Sue ism. We saw that with the character Ray. We saw that with the character uh Captain Marvel. We we see it now in the Black Panther with the character uh, Riri Williams. And it's just you know these these characters. You know, I mean, when we first started out, we started out with Tony Stark. He was a, a Uh, uh, you know, a playboy, you know, billionaire type of guy. He was a douchebag. And then he went through this arc. He went through a growth spurt. And because of that, he's one of the most endeared, you know, beloved characters of the MCU. And then they got rid of him and they they say, and they think that they can, you know, just replace him. Like, well, here's someone with all his power sets and, you know, she's perfect and stuff. So you have to like her. And the, the thing is the people in charge, they just don't get it. They just don't get it and they think well we'll make the nurse happy we'll make them more powerful that's what they like is how powerful a character is like no it's it's the the strongest characters that we relate to are the ones who go through the most who grow who who grow and develop in strength you know
0: it's all about I the uh, the character progression more so than anything
1: yeah yeah, it's it's the character growth. I mean, that's why uh Spider Man is one of the most, you know, recognized and bankable characters is because he he's you know, just uh he's Spider Man, you know, when when he puts on the mask and stuff, but you know, when he takes it off, he's just a regular street kid. He's just a kid. And people can relate to that. Regular people, you know, everybody can relate to that. And They seem to think, well, you can only relate to something if it looks like you. And then they they try to force this, you know, well, we need representation and stuff like this. When actually, you know, they're just looking out for themselves because they happen to fit that marginalization of whatever. And they're not writing or creating for a general public. They're they're just, you know, in it for themselves. And the way that the dynamics, they just seem to fail up type of thing and and it's it's it i mean it's not hurting us because we're not losing money we're having to deal with you know bullshit we we complain about it if anything us complaining about it's making us money because we complain about it you know and then people come and say yeah i like your job i like your show here's five bucks and the five bucks going to us isn't going to them isn't going to establishment and then you know and again, that's why again, you know, the networks and stuff like this—the the they're at war with you know the 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 mundane creators of YouTube, the people who actually bring in the audience and stuff like this. It's just, it's just, it's absolutely ridiculous. And you know, people again, they say that the pendulum is swinging back, and I'm like, no, it's it's not. I don't believe it is. We're seeing like a financial swing, but I don't believe culturally we're seeing you know a, a swing at all. I don't believe the pendulum has has moved an inch, has budged an inch, you know, in my belief.
0: I mean, even kind of going into the creator side too, it's all a matter of uh, being able to corrupt people to fit into a certain message, I guess. So like you get into like the TikToker side of like creators and stuff and they're very easily influenced and, you know, they can get paid to essentially push any message that anybody wants them to push. But the problem with like what they have is like the people like us that are almost like the wild West where, doesn't matter how much money you flash in front of us, you know, we're not going to fall into doing stuff their specific way. And I'm sure one of the main things that also probably pisses them off and irritates them, again, kind of going on to like the podcaster side is that you'll have all of these like uh, ex-news people, uh, different politicians, uh, Fauci, like whoever the fuck. And they all try to start up a podcast and nobody wants to listen to it. Mm -hmm. Like everybody wants to listen to this like real, raw, relatable stuff. And again, oh, that's what it kind of comes down to, even with like you're saying with the Marvel stuff, is that people want that relatable character. They don't want yeah. this like character that doesn't almost have like a backstory. Like it's almost like uh, yeah. uh, saying this is the hero without actually getting to see the hero's journey. Like nobody cares that this person's the hero if they don't get to see how that person became the hero,
1: you know? Yeah, they, they don't get to relate to them. And what you're bringing up about the the dude bro podcast thing, uh, I mean, even as a podcaster myself, you know, I, I can't help but get a little bit jealous and a bug up my ass when I see these dude bro podcasts and they make like five thousand a month on Patreon and and I make it like zero <laughs> because you know I, I'm clearly not, you know you know, I just I just don't have whatever it is that they got. And then we have, you know, Obama and Springsting making a podcast together and like it's popped up by NPR and all that and nobody is watching it. They'll have a few people that'll like that you know, it'll get pushed to the top of the, of the charts artificially and it'll have like numbers, you know, some people will actually listen to it, but as far as, you know, will it make any money and stuff like that? No, you know, I mean, some parts, like, I think there was this joke article that came out, you know, how to be successful in podcasts by already being famous. You know, I had all these celebrities that had podcasts and shit like this and they come out the gate and they're like, you know, they have like sponsors from Ford and, 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 you know, and all this shit, you know, like national sponsors and shit like this, you know, on their first episode. And it probably, you know, probably gets like, you know, a couple thousand views and stuff like this. Whereas, you know, the other podcast, you know, dude bro burp time gets like, you know, millions of views and gets, you know, tons of money and they have, you know, ball scratch, you know, a, a ball scratch time sponsor or whatever it is, you know, it, it's, and yeah, I, I'm being facetious because I'm obviously jealous, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's just the, you know, it's just it, they're, they're putting, they have the control, you know, obviously the control and the influence, but again, they're, they're, they're not getting a return on it, not, not as the return that we're seeing because we're, you know, guys like us and, and, you know, and all these other dude bro podcasts, you know, they're, they're like, it seems like they're putting in the minimum effort, but they're putting whatever it is that they're doing, they're making it happen. And they're getting not uh, like a wild return on it. Whereas the other people who have like a staff of 80 working on their show and they're not getting shit back to justify what they're putting into it. Dude, that's
0: honestly kind of digging in, not, not to dig too far into like the Dubro type podcast and stuff, but that's one thing that kind of drives me a little bit crazy sometimes is the aspect of like, you know, guys like us who put a lot of time and effort and research into our shows. And, you know, then you have these guys that'll come on and just be talking about like, oh yeah, so my girlfriend queefed on me the other day. And those <laughs> dudes are getting like millions of listens, you know? And it's like, there's two, there's two aspects to it. I mean, one of it could be that people are just so wrapped up in just all the rat race of life that they just want to like have a break and just listen to something that's just stupid. Or the other aspect of it is that the general population is... Becoming less and less intelligent. So they may not be able to keep up with the type of content that we're creating, even though, you know, there's a lot of us that try to do it in like an easily chewable fashion. But, you know, it it may just honestly be a push of just people aren't, a lot of the general public at least aren't able to like pick up what we're putting down just because they aren't like mentally. There, because the public school systems and society is kind of like filled them as far as like again being a free thinker and an intelligent thinker.
1: They just want that yeah. like dick fart joke, ho ho ho, kind of shit. You yeah, know, I, I I don't think so. I I just think that it's just you know we we're in the business of niche audience, so we're going to get niche audiences. You know that that's just that's just the nature of the game. Whereas I think what what I am seeing is a lot of people just want to chill the fuck out. And I think that's what it provides them is that chill environment. When you um, listen to some of these shows, it's like, it's like, you know, sitting at the bar, what used to be sitting at the bar, listening in on an interesting conversation, you know, and, and when I look at these, these live stream shows, you know, like some of the guys, like, you, you know, when you guys do your live streams and stuff like this, there's, have you ever like just looked at the chat? It's people just chilling out. It's people just hanging out. They're just there just to chill, you know. And and you know, and if people come to your table to chill out, you know, yeah, I mean that that's, that's freaking awesome because they love to hang out with you as a personality, as as a as a you know, they they it's the parasocial thing, and. You know, and a lot of people do that because when I go on to the, like the, the paranormal chop shop live streams, when they let me in every now and then, you know, it's, it's like people are just hanging out. People are just chilling out. Even I go to some of these, these streams and I'm like, Oh, let me check up and see what these guys are doing. Like, Hey, so and so. Hey, so and so. You know, we got like a bunch of referred and preferred, co- you know, friends and, and stuff like this, you know, in the chat. And we just catch up real quick. And then I, you know, and then I just skedaddle and do whatever. But yeah, I kind of see what you're saying. I'm probably approaching it from a different angle, but I do feel like there is something in that sort of casual hangout thing that I think, you know, social media that the, the streaming stuff is really catching on and it's catching on it, you know, really hard. I mean, I think it's one of those things too that it's just a matter of whether you're having
0: an intelligent conversation or you're just having like an off the wall, fun, random conversation. It's one of those things where there's like a split in society where there's still people that want to idolize celebrities, and then there's the other half that just wants to be able to have that like real world personal connection with the people that are creating the content that they want to listen to. And in turn, they get way more into the content and they appreciate the content way more when they're able to be listening to a show and throw in their two cents. Like it makes it more relatable for people. And then we go, goes back full cycle of what we're saying that people want entertainment that they can relate themselves to.
1: Oh yeah. You definitely definitely, make it small again. Yeah. Yeah. You definitely feel like you're part of the show when you get to chime in with your super chat and stuff. I mean, the super chat has pretty much replaced the call in show. I mean, what, we used to listen to, uh, coast to coast AM and then every now and then they would have regular call ins and stuff like this. And it's like with the Howard Stern show where they would have the whack pack and shit like this. And every single little show is like their own little microcosm where I'm sure you and in, in your, your Lord, you probably have a whack pack, you know, that for the inquiries team. And, um, and, <clears throat> and I'm sure it's that, like a lot of these stuff. It's, it's like, you know, with the, uh, with the uh, monetization of interaction. Yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's sort of fun, you know, to, cause in a way we get to show support for our creators, but also we get to, you know, chime in on their shows and, and in a way be a part of it. And I think that's, that's a brilliant thing, you know. I mean, it's monetized and stuff. And some people can argue about that, but I don't have any problem with it. So long as a majority of my contribution goes to the creator, you know, to show support and contribute to the show, you know,
0: I mean, it also is good coming from the creator end too, because then it's like, it gives you more of a reason to keep doing what you're doing when you have that real world connection with like your listeners, because if you're just like putting out content and it may look like you have thousands of listeners, um, if you're not having that like personal connection talks with them, like it almost feels like you're, uh, you know, you're, you're doing something for like a blank audience. Like it's better when you can like personalize and be like, Hey, this is Brian. This is Shane. This is this person. This is that person. And shout out to two of my main listeners who are Brian and Shane, (laughs) by the way. But (laughs) like, it's, it's just so much better when, uh, you, you can connect even from the creator side with your listeners because then it just makes that connection more meaningful and it gives you more purpose and more meaning behind the work that you're doing to begin with. Even if you're just entertaining people or you're trying to spread truths, like it just, you ha- you have more passion behind
1: it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I definitely get what you're getting at. And yeah, I think that's definitely a cool thing. So, um, do you want to get in like spooky shit? Cause I, I... <coughs> yeah, I was definitely I kind of feel like, we. Like we bore the shit out of people with the all the shop talk.
0: No, I mean, as far as my listeners go, they seem to uh, really like that type of stuff. Um, You know, like I I have my wide variety of shows, and it seems like uh, the majority of people that listen to inquiries of our reality, they enjoy the like close conversation style of things. So, just knowing my listener base, I'm sure that they they probably love the first 45 minutes of it. But again, you know, for the other side and even for myself, cause I love getting into the spooky shit. I definitely want to get into your experiences. So I guess the best place to start would be from the beginning, because if you have the time to, I'd love to run through all of your experiences.
1: Oh, uh, let's see. Uh, I know I sent you a bunch of shit, but what's the, what's the, what's the first thing that, that like grabbed you most. So that way I know what to glom onto. Cause it's um, like, it's, it's hard to come up with like a beginning type of thing though. The most stuff that I'm like most prolific for or most known for is the sleep paralysis episodes.
0: I was going to say, I have personal accounts with sleep paralysis, so I'm definitely fascinated in that stuff. And I would love to share ideas back and forth with you on that. Mm. Um, also extremely into the UFO stuff. And being a Michigander, I'm also very much into the Dogman stuff. So it seems like the main mm. couple things that you seem to be the most passionate about, I'm, I'm all about. And I have a lot of uh, information to throw back at you on them.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I love, I do love me some dog man. And my take on it is the evolution of the lore of the dog man. And one of the things that I, I like to pay attention to is the lore of the, the phenomenon, like the alien abduction lore. I, I try to pay close attention to that. And with the sleep paralysis, you know, that's, that's really the only avenue that I have to relate to paranormality type of stuff. In uh, most of the paranormal stuff like this, like my only, the, the only time that I've, you know, had firsthand experience with any type of anything was through sleep paralysis. One of my, I, I guess my most notable account was, you know, I think it was during the day and I was in between shifts, you know, uh, you know, I, I was just g- getting a nap like, you know, because I was going like either doing overnights or something of that nature on a rotating shift. And then I just let it was daytime and I just laid down. And then I felt, you know, the, 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 I, I guess the weight of the experience of the phenomenon just, you know, come over my body. It's like all of a sudden my, my, my body felt, you know, heavy and then, uh, you know, You know, I have like a, like a, like a perfect, you know, again, only my eyes can move around and that stuff. And then I see the door open up and then two figures walk in. They're two, uh, men, two misshapen men at that. They look like cartoonish, you know, what you do, what you would describe as either white trash or people of Walmart type of caricatures, (laughs) but they're like, they're humanoid looking. And then the, you know, one is like a, a guy with like a, a, a blue and green plaid shirt. He's got like a big fluffy mustache, you know, and, 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 you know, he's all hunched over. And then the other one is like a big tall, you know, uh, rotund fat guy, you know, with like, he's wearing like black shorts and, and like a black t-shirt that's like, Two sizes too small, and it fits too much, much like a crop top. And he's got you know fiery red hair, and they're and they're like you know just looking around my my room, and they're like every now and then you know one looks back to me to make sure that I'm not moving, you know. And again, in this experience, you know, because you're, you're washed over with like the the I don't know, I guess the hormonal or chemical whatever suppressant it is that that keeps you from moving. It also like induces you with fear. So I mean, you know, I have this overwhelming sense of fear and dread. And they're just going about, you know, milling through my room and then they start like opening closets and just going through stuff. And then they'll open closets and walls that I don't have closets in. It's like, you know, like magical closet doors out of to nowhere and they'll just open them up you know, rifle through stuff, look at, look, you know, make sure that I'm not moving. And then when I start to feel control starting to come back, you know, they, they then just saunter out the, out the door and just close it. And then of course I get up, you know, and at this time I've studied sleep paralysis. I'm I'm well into the paranormal. I know all about this shit, but the experience is still chilling, you know? So I, I know I just had a sleep paralysis experience and none of that really happened. But, you know, the, the experience is still the experience. You still have that impression that, that, you know, psychological, you know, punch to the gut. And I, I just get up and I, I check everything. I look all around, you know, all my deadbolts are locked. My electronic security system is still active and there's no disturbance, you know, and, and everything is like, I'm like double. I have like two layers of, of security and they're not disturbed in the slightest. So. You know, if if like, let's say if something really, really happened, then those entities would have had to, you know, come in through a portal and then vanish into thin air as soon as they left the room. But again, it was such a harrowing experience that it, it like it, it just, you know, it just, it just, you know, it's, yeah, literally sent chills down my spine, you know, so um.
0: were they more like solid or were they more ghostly?
1: They were solid. They were human. They looked real. They didn't. I described them as cartoons, but they didn't look like cartoons. You know, they looked like real people, just misshapen. Because
0: uh, my my question that I was kind of wondering, I kind of I like to get into some out there weird theories, um, just mm-hmm. you know, for the sake of just entertaining weird theories. So yeah. one thing that I've always kind of wondered when it comes to like phenomenon like that is I kind of get into like the whole time slip idea where theoretically, if there are two dimensions that are layered over top of each other, you know, there could be the same exact house in the same place, but the inhabitants of the house could be totally different. So Mm -hmm. if there was like some kind of weird time slip where, you know, if they saw you, they may have not saw you directly as what you were, or maybe they saw like a, like something moving on the bed and they were kind of trying to like rationalize it, but still do what they're trying to do. Or like the other facet of it was, is maybe they never really like saw you in the first place and you were kind of temporarily kind of like seeing past the dimensional veil of something that could potentially have been there or the other all out rationalization for it too, is that it could have just been something that, you know, chemically happened in your brain and kind of just created these pictures of these different things. But, you know, I always like to branch out in the rational and branch out into the woo woo and, you know, kind of, kind of find the middle ground between the two. Cause especially with like the sleep paralysis stuff, there's a lot of like weirdness to it. And uh, for like me personally, uh, with all of my experiences, like I kinda like I said, kinda get out there and I kind of believe in whether you believe it to be a soul or a consciousness, like whatever. Um, when you dream, when you sleep, sometimes I feel like if you go far enough out, you kinda start to leave your like your vessel. And the sleep paralysis from at least again my experiences, I almost feel like it's uh it's kind of like your consciousness re-downloading back into your vessel. So it's almost like you start up a computer and it needs that couple minutes to like start itself back up and reboot before it's able to fully operate again. And that that's kind of my view on it. But like, wh- where do your views kind of place on all that kind of stuff?
1: Well, one of the things that I noticed is that during my experience, I felt weight all over my entire body, but not directly on my chest with mostly paralysis. There's like the, the gray witch or the gray hag phenomena where people will feel an entity and they'll feel it compressing onto their chest directly. And I I felt, you know, the, the weight that I felt was like evenly distributed and I didn't feel any kind of presence holding me down. Like, you know, I didn't feel like there was an active third entity, you know, like directly holding me down or, or suppressing me in any manner. And that was sort of like a weird thing that sort of like a, uh, you know a, a rare thing that happens in most sleep paralysis type of things you know and, and and um you know whether it was like a chemical thing or or if it was you know like actual uh interdimensional play you know i i i really don't it, it doesn't matter to me which one it if it ends up really being you know i'm i'd be happy with either you know uh scenario if if that happened the way that it did And and it's just a a sort of thing that that just kind of like it's just a weird experience that I really don't know what to do with.
0: I mean, it starts to spark your interest into the unknown in a sense. So, again, whether or not it's on either side, it still kind of opens the doorway into you having like a different method of thinking and a different method of thought and different things that will start to speak that will spark your interest and uh, kind of leading off of that experience, have you had other sleep paralysis experiences, or was that like your
1: your main and only one? Uh, I've had a few that have been similar, like maybe two or three at most. I think I really can't quite. They weren't that notable, but that one was probably the most notable one. Sometimes I would just, you know, feel a presence. You know, one time I just. I just felt like a presence just come up, walk to the side of my bed and just stand there, you know, as I, as I, you know, as I, as I slept or as I tried to sleep as I was in the session. And I couldn't really look at it because I couldn't open my eyes or something of that nature or the room was dark or something. And I just, I just felt the presence, you know, and then eventually it just, it it went away. Do you think so that it, there
0: was actually like something there or do you think it was more so just that high, heightened fear state that you uh like felt like something was there just because your body was overly aware?
1: I really don't know. I I don't know where to put that. Cuz yeah, I felt, you know, scared and intimidated because I'm feeling this thing that shouldn't be. But as far as what I think really happened, I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know where to put it. You know, again, it's like this sort of thing, like a funny thing happened on the way to the such and such, you know, and it's like, okay, you know, now what type of thing? It, it, it's just a thing where it's like a funny thing happens and it's like, okay. When it comes mm-hmm. to
0: anything that's like sleep related, it seems like all of it is just guesswork and theories realistically. Because yeah. I mean, you, you kind of have a lot on both sides and seems to be evidence on both sides of it being just something that your brain creates on its own. And there's evidence of it possibly being something that's otherworldly or interdimensional or whatever you want to call it. Because again, mm-hmm. nobody really knows necessarily where this thing's coming from. And even like the like UFO phenomenon, it's kind of this in the same boat that nobody really knows if it's like something that's uh, like right in front of you, or if it's something that's like, you're almost like manifesting it and creating it in your own head. Because I've heard of a lot of uh, like abduction stories where people start kind of talking, and it happens at a really young age, and it seems like uh, they kind of start to rationalize it and realize that, uh, like, it's almost like that trauma thing where people will create a story in their head because what actually happened is too much for them to be able to comprehend. That it's almost easier to put like this
1: this crazy image yeah, on top memory. of it. Yeah. Yeah. As far as, as, you know, relating it to other phenomena, it's, it's definitely given me empathy when I approach my show and when I do my, you know, recreation artwork and stuff like that. It, it, it definitely, you know, because I feel like I've, you know, stepped in it myself, you know, when these people relate these, their stories to me, I feel like, you know, I, I can definitely listen more sympathetically than I would, you know, just someone just, you know, eking out content. You know, and cause it feels like in a way, you know, I've sort of been there in a, in a similar sense that, that, you know, I can r- relate to them in a way because I find the alien abduction phenomenon so fascinating. You know, cause it's, it's, it's just so much of it makes sense, but at the same time doesn't, you know, like, yeah, we have these people that are visiting us, you know, whether it's from another dimension or outer space or whatever. And they're collecting samples, and they're doing these processes, what we deem as scientific, because we don't have any other way to explain it, because that's how we relate to it. Because we practice that sort of thing ourselves, you know, on the on the animals of Earth type of thing, when we bag them and tag them. So if we feel like we're getting bagged and tagged, well, that's what they must be doing. But we really don't know. So that's how we best relate the experience and you know and it's there there does seem to be like an what i would call an evolution of the lore where you know like first we like see the the aliens off in the distance and then we see them running through the woods and then they're peeking in our windows and crawling into them to get us and now they're like appearing at our bedside like magically like poof and doing what it is that they will and now we're like getting accounts where they're like abducting our astral bodies and stuff like that you know, whereas before they used to float us out of the, of the windows and stuff like it's like that one story about the, the, about the body Hopkins. He he told the account of the woman who was flown out of a skyscraper or something like this. And then several like people saw it, you know, that, that nature. And, and it's this sort of thing, you know, it's, it's like this, it's like the lore is, evol- is the experience is evolving type of thing. And, and I just find that interesting. I don't know what to make of it. You know, like, is there technology getting better? You know, I'll often joke that, yeah, if the technology get is getting better, good for them because there's grays out there thinking, oh, thank God I don't have to climb through that damn window. I could just <laughs> pop right into the thing. You know, cause I would joke that some people's windows are like six feet off the ground. And the, so that means that outside there's like seven, seven little grays standing on each other's shoulders to prop their buddy up to get them to go through the window. You know, and and stuff like that, and yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a thing where it's like it's a mystery, and I'm I'm trying to look into it, and I don't know what to make of it, type of thing. So whenever people do talk about it and experience it, you know, I definitely have try to have my ear on the ground and listen in and, and get as many details as I can out of it. When it comes to like the alien phenomenon,
0: um, like our technology, just from like the time when you know the the more. It seems like our interactions with aliens, like kind of going back to like the fifties, started to like started to peak. Just in that short amount of time, like our technology has advanced drastically. And realistically, looking at it, if you think that they are some type of physical beings and not something that's interdimensional, whatever, if our technology has advanced so much in that period of time and we're less advanced than they are, like look at our technology now of where it was two years ago to now and that crazy spike of how fast things advanced. If there's already a a whole other civilization that's way more advanced than us. Like imagine how fast their technology is progressing. So like it, it would completely make sense that the, that the phenomenon would be altering and changing through the years because their technology realistically is improving way faster than ours is. And we wouldn't be able to keep up on it. So, I mean, it may possibly be an idea of like, if you kind of get into like organic simulation reality that um, it's, almost like uh, like updates to the system or like we're manifesting it ourselves because you could probably somewhat program something from being like within the system. Or if you're looking at it as like a more physical thing, it's just honestly an updating of technology, the same as our technology is updating. Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because it's like the, the, the creatures, their appearance has certainly evolved. And some people say that that's us, you know, projecting onto them that they're able to, you know, get into our culture somehow and and wrap themselves in what they think they that we think they should look like. Because they used to have space helmets. They used to have silver suits. Now they don't do that shit anymore. Every now and then they'll wear a cloak or something like that. But usually they'll just walk around, you know, like either naked or skin-tight suits, you know, looking all creepy and shit. and And, you know... And, and just, you know, pitter-pattering all around and stuff like that. And, you know, it, it's just a thing that's just rather, you know, I find rather fascinating because of the whole, you know, well, what does this mean? Does this mean that, uh, you know, again, as their technology is evolving, if they're getting like firmware updates and stuff like that, are they changing and all that stuff? And also there's the... There's the um, presumption that maybe the grays aren't a born species, but rather a manufactured entity, because it seems like every race out there seems to have their own starter pack of grays that they pick up from somewhere, you know, that's like, you know, like, like the little, um, like the little pills, you put them into the, the, the water and then they grow into like a spongy animal type of thing. Mm-hmm. that maybe that's what they are. There's some type of uh, variant of that, that they're just grown type of thing. And that they're like these Bioroid entities that just do menial work for them. And, um, you know, it's like, I, I really don't know because they, they do seem to be somewhat seem to be evolving as far as their technique and stuff like this. You know, I mean, cause it, it, but as far as, you know, like to what cause, to what conclusion, because it seems like they've been doing this stuff for generations. And I would think that, you know, they should have gotten whatever it is that they're looking for. They should have found it by now. And if they're time travelers, then what is this just purely for archival purposes or something of that nature or or what? Because, you know, because I just don't know what to make of it.
0: I was going to say, not going into like the ancient stuff, but the more like present day stuff. Like, we have so much with like deep fakes, all these different like ways to like camouflage yourself. They say that the government's technology could be like 30 years more advanced than ours. So, I mean, I'm not saying every single case, but there might be a good, you know, 20%, 30% of these cases where it's not actually anything extraterrestrial or an alien. It could just be government testing out new technology. And some of that could be like cloaking device type things where you know it's almost like you could create like a virtual version of yourself like outside of yourself not like the same aspect as like avatar where you're like sitting in some type of i mean it could be like that you could be sitting in some type of like pool of liquid or whatever and you're able to control this other theoretical vessel um or the other option to it is that you know it could just be some type of like a like a suit that you hit a button and you could make yourself look like anything that you want to make yourself look like and in turn Mm -hmm. it's like the government could theoretically, if they wanted to run experiments on people, they could completely get away with it under hiding themselves behind this fake alien mask. Because anybody that talks about those experiences, they're going to get you know thrown off by the general public. And essentially, they can run rampant and do whatever the fuck they want at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that aspect of it. it in some cases, yeah, it, it would make for a pretty good uh, hypothesis. It would make for a, good, a pretty good explanation. You know, because I can see the government doing the various bullshit, you know, because not all of it is just the, the 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 you know, clownish politicians that we see. There has to be a, a side of it that is actually, you know, you know, freakishly efficient that they can, you know, perpetuate all the, these conspiracies and stuff like this. Because, you know, how else are they going to get all their money through their black projects and stuff like that? And it's and it's like, you know. Yeah, I, I guess that that could work out. They they definitely have the blueprint of the the culture and stuff like this. Some would even speculate that the Betty and Barney Hill could have been a military psyop that they could have been, you know, you know, uh, experiencing t- some type of thing, and that they're, they're whatever it is that the the influences that they were probably like, you know, chemically induced too at, at that, because Betty had like a, a you know a, a really positive experience whereas barney he was traumatized and freaked the fuck out by it you know almost to the point that you know he completely like walked away from the the the, the culture as a whole you know and just you know because he just w- wasn't having any of it because it was so traumatizing to him uh justin from cryptids of the corn has a pretty
0: big theory on this whole aspect of them specifically in a bunch of other cases where There's a lot of aspects of alien abduction that also seem very psychedelic like. So Mm -hmm. there's two sides of it. One is kind of what he was theorizing that there could be potential like giant mushrooms almost that almost look like spaceships and we perceive them as spaceships and they may, you know, push down some type of like psilocybin and have people have these experiences. But kind of going on to another side of it, um, it could be some type of extension of almost like MK Ultra, you know, where they are already tricking people and putting LSD in their drinks, all these different types of things. So realistically, if you gave somebody a high dose of something, and it may be something that like the general public doesn't even know about that has like some type of psychoactive psychoactive effect, it goes back into that possible government experimenting where you bless somebody with this. Uh psychedelic type substance and then essentially you can go back and do whatever the hell you want and they're seeing you as an alien but you're actually just like a doctor strapping them to a table running experiments on them or
1: checking out certain parts of them or something like that too you know yeah yeah i think i've heard that that i've listened to a couple of shows that they've been on and they got some fascinating takes uh i do like the idea of most of a few ufos being biological entities the whole sky jellyfish thing was like really really cool so that's why when i heard that that was the twist in the movie nope i was like oh yeah that is so awesome even though everybody wanted aliens and shit like this and they were like all pissed off i was like probably one of the only people that was like happy like yeah that, that's so cool but it's the yeah the whole you know the the whole mushrooms doing their thing and maybe you know because there is some speculation that you know maybe they're not the aliens aren't from outer space, but we think of them as from outer space because that's just how we rationalize it. There's definitely uh, some conjecture in the lore to support this, because the only um, record that we have of where they, the aliens, come from is from what they tell the contactees, and if you dig back. They come back, the more we learn about our natural world, the further away the aliens come from. Before they were from Venus, then, the, then they're from Mars, then they're from Alpha Centauri, then they're from like another galaxy far away and stuff. And now they're from another dimension. So it seems like that, 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 you know, that goalpost keeps getting moved. And maybe, you know, there could be a reason for that because, you know, maybe they are actually, these are just mushrooms fucking around with us or it's just the natural state of the mushrooms and we just simply don't understand it because, you know, we lost that sort of connection somehow.
0: I mean, there there could definitely be some possible physical evidence of there being things like that too because then you go into things like uh, the Kentucky meat shower, for example, and all these like weird events where they've had like meat and different like weird matter falling from the sky. I mean, that could theoretically be these things dying. Um, it could also potentially be something else killing these things. It could be something where they Mm -hmm. go too far up and, you know, maybe they just can't take that, uh, you know, less oxygen, like whatever. And they end up just like crushing in on themselves and then falling from the sky. And Mm -hmm. you end up having all these like weird meat phenomenon type things. And maybe it's an aspect too of, it seemed like that kind of weird stuff happened a lot more prevalent in the past, like maybe the sky was a lot more full of these things at one point. Yeah. yeah. And now they're not, yeah. or maybe just even another another different way of viewing it is if they have some type of like camouflage or if they're transparent enough that they're not easy to see. It could be something weird like maybe planes are taking about and not even realizing it because I'm sure if a plane theoretically flew through a giant jellyfish that matter is so soft that the plane itself probably wouldn't actually even be affected by going through it. It might just be like two seconds of slight turbulence. Nobody even notices anything. Mm -hmm. And then you have some weird substance falling from the sky.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, I think they were talking about in one of their appearances, I think it was on the Tony Merkel show. They were talking about how um, they did a sample, uh, uh, an atmospheric sample. And they were expecting like, you know, like a, like 400, you know, unique species hits and instead they got like 60,000. So it's, it's like, you know, which, which is way populated above what they anticipated. And that sort of led to, you know, that conjecture or, or a speculation that maybe that's what these things are. And they would be like, I think they would be in a, at a layer like above commercial Airspace. So that way we're not like disturbing their habitat all that much with our travel. But that doesn't mean that one can't slip in there and, you know, get his ass, you know, ran the fuck over every now and then. I mean,
0: there's always pilots seeing and reporting weird stuff, too. So, I mean, it could even be one of those <laughs> things where... It's known by a specific group of people, but it's something that you just like don't talk about because there's always pilots that are seeing random unidentified flying objects. And they're told basically to like not report it, not talk about it. And, you know, it gets into that whole aspect where people fear for their job, too, where if people are, you know, a pilot and they're constantly talking about all these weird things they see in the sky, they're going to be casted out by all their uh, other peers and not be able to continue doing what they do. Uh, so, I mean, it, it it sounds like a cover-up, but I mean, it's definitely potentially possible that, you uh, know, they're pretty much say, all right, we're giving you the right, you have this pilot license, you're able to do this. There's certain things you're going to see, and if you talk about them, then you're no longer going to have a pilot license, and we're not allow- mm-hmm. going to allow you to be in the sky anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, that definitely gives credence to the Flat Earth theory about not being able to go to certain places because it had exposed the magical ice wall and all that shit. But the... the with as far as um, if we were then to apply the the horned owl Sasquatch argument with logging to commercial airline, you know, maybe that argument could work there as well as they don't want this stuff exposed because then you're going to have, you know, blue haired activists, land whales wanting to activist on its behalf. It's like one more thing to get offended by, you know, it's like. I mean, I don't want to give these people any more ammunition, so I can understand why they'd want to keep it hidden.
0: I mean, the other you aspect know, save too. the
1: sky whales,
0: exactly. I mean, the other aspect too could just be a matter of uh they're
1: just trying to like how do I uh, word it preserve their preserve their their industry type of thing, because that's the argument used for the logging. It's like, oh, well, we'll hide the Sasquatch in mystery to preserve our industry. Of course, I don't know when big logging, big paper had that much power, you know. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean,
0: <clears throat> the the other aspect that kind of comes into play, too, is when it uh, comes to any of these, like, commercial businesses being in these weird locations where they could possibly see different weird types of things. Um, It could also be like a fear tactic too, where they know who's in these specific areas doing things. So it may not even be something that it's like, all right, you work in this industry. This is what you're going to see. You're not allowed to talk about it. It could just be one of those things that they know loggers may potentially see Sasquatch. Pilots may potentially see flying objects so they just keep a closer eye on them where they don't tell them that they're going to see the things but as soon as they see the things they just set in with that instant like "All right, you're not going to talk about this you're not going to do that you're not going to do this because it's like why would you even want to like uh, hinder at there possibly being something because then there'd be a lot more people like talking about it like you pretend like the problem doesn't exist until it happens and then you just try to cover it up
1: as quick as possible hmm yeah yeah, that, that's definitely that's definitely a good a good take. I I don't know what I could add to that because it's sort of you know like this sort of stuff is like above my head type of thing. <laughs> yeah, because when I get into that to the phenomenon, I'm I'm not really a UFO guy. I'm more of an abduction guy. But as far as if these things are crapping out, you know, uh, chemicals that are making that are inducing abduction experiences that that they you know, cause people to have, you know, experiences with somehow, you know, and they're like, you know, and maybe all these abductions aren't real, that they're actually people just having, um, you know, like repressed memories of being born. And then that that that's often masked as an abduction experience, because that's what I hear that like, that's what popular what, what used to be popular years ago when psychologists would just say oh you're having a repressed memory and your mask your your mind is psychologically masking it as an abduction experience so that was how they would write it off back in the day
0: and i mean back in the day too i, I don't know it was just p- people weren't as open minded to the concepts like It it was a lot more in media, I feel, then than it is now. But back then, somebody brings up any type of experience and people's first reaction is to think of the most logical thing and to push it down and pretend like it doesn't exist all to begin with. Where like nowadays, somebody talks about an alien abduction experience and people want to look at it as an alien abduction experience instead of trying to say that this is what it could possibly potentially be. And I I don't want to say that I don't... like. I full on do believe in the UFO phenomenon. Like, I'm not saying that all, all these things are all fake, but you know, Mm -hmm. I I feel like there's definitely a good number of them that could potentially be. And it it may be one of those things too, that the person who is experiencing it, kind of like you were saying, they like will mask something where they fully believe in it and they know what they saw kind of a thing, but it was just a matter of them misunderstanding what was happening. But, just because of their perspective on things, like you can't change their mind on what they think because in their mind what they saw was a hundred percent what they saw, even though it may not have been exactly that story to the person standing next to them. But again, going into like digging into alien phenomenon, that's the stories that I look into the hardest are the ones where there's multiple people that all describe the same exact experience. Like I'll still listen to the single yeah. one off accounts, but I feel like all of the stuff where there's multiple people experiencing the same things are just way more tangible because then it kind of takes that possible like human masking trauma error uh, out of the equation at that point.
1: Yeah. And I have heard of other accounts where when you have multiple witnesses, you also have multiple uh, phenomena happening. Like when like uh, a couple of people, there, are like in a graveyard and they see a figure walking, you know, between the graves. One person sees a dog man, another person sees a Bigfoot. Another person sees a ghost and another person sees a Confederate soldier, you know, and and it's like, well, what do you do with those ones? You know, and and that sort of leads into, well, if it's uh, if it's again, if it's like the experience, you know, projecting onto it, who knows what's really walking through there. But as far as what we're seeing, it's it's whatever, you know, best fits what those people think they should be seeing type of thing. And that just, you know, adds more to it. But as far as people who come in with like, this is definitely an alien experience, I have no problem, you know, taking that to its, you know, most logical conclusion and pressing onto it, you know, you know, expanding upon that. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the aliens then. what do they want? Where are they from? You know, what are their interactions with you and stuff like that? I have no problem with that as well. You know, taking a taking a going down that road with with that person, if that's the path that they choose.
0: I mean, kind of bouncing into a possible different explanation of all this different phenomenon, uh, people like to talk about Uncanny Valley. And for anybody that's not familiar with that, it's the inherited fear of something that's very close to a human, but not quite human. Um, Digging into that aspect of it, is it potentially possible that what we've feared this whole time could all be one thing? that's very human-like, but is able to cloak itself behind all of these different masks. So we think that there's like 300 different types of creatures in this planet, but realistically, there could just be us humans and one other type of being that's similar to people, but they mask themselves behind other things because they know that we've kind of adapted this inherited knowledge of, like, that thing looks like a human, but it's not quite a human. So they just kind of take it to the far end of the spectrum and say, all right, we don't want to be that close to human. We're going to do this other odd, the wall off the wall thing so that people are kind of coming at it from a different perspective, you know, where they can do the things that they want to do. And, you know, this experience, you're looking at a Sasquatch. So, you know, your, your, your mind's in that mindset. And then in this experience, you're looking at an alien and your mind's kind of in that mindset, but like realistically, like they're just kind of projecting different visuals so that they can do different tasks without
1: yeah. being, you know, like seen for what they truly are kind of a thing. Yeah, it, it could be a thing that they're doing intentionally or it could be just a general, you know, just a general like I'm just going to turn on my cloaking shield and whatever the person sees is whatever the person sees, no matter what their actions are. And and it could be, you know, something that they're doing intensely or something that is a result of the, that they can't help it, you know, type of thing. It could whatever be one of those that, things that, that it projects we, we whatever you feel the most. Whoops,
0: sorry. Yeah,
1: it, it could be of that nature as well, you know, it, which is I described, which was what, like I was saying, the they can't help it type of thing. They just turn it on type of, you know, cause it, it's like, you know, cause when, whenever people talk about the Bigfoot and stuff, you know, people try to relate them to primates and stuff, but from what I've studied of primate behavior, I'm not seeing a lot of primate behavior in these stuff. They'll describe a roar or a bluff charge, but usually that's where it's where it stops. Where's the, you know, where, where's the, the feces throwing, you know, no one ever had Bigfoot shit thrown in their face, as far as I could recall, unless Bigfoot shit rocks, you know, and then there's the theory of, well, the, the Bigfoots are, um, forest poltergeist that you're experiencing poltergeist activity in the forest and instead of seeing a ghost you see a bigfoot type of thing you know because you you experience like the same kind of phenomenon as you as you would in a haunted house that you would in a bigfoot encounter where you get noises and you feel shadowed and and you get rocks thrown at you whereas if you were in a house you would feel a presence you'd see a a dark shadow in the corner and then a a fork would come out and knock you upside the head or some shit like that. But as far as what you were talking about, some kind of outlier, um, entity. Yeah. I, some sort of thing that we don't know what it is. So we do our best to fill in the blanks with lore and we would probably describe them as vampires, aliens, or some type of other, you know, um, thing like witches or something of that nature because we just don't know how to fill in those blanks and then they wear all of those masks. Yeah, I mean I I have no problem with that at all. I think that's a very good, you know, conjecture of, of what it is of when we're juggling all of these possibilities that something like that could account for it and how we react to it is how it's gonna mask itself. It's gonna further, you know, induce the experience.
0: I mean just to kind of other off the wall theory kind of playing off of like kind of what I was saying, what if it's a matter of like time travelers almost where imagine like the future potentially as being something where you could almost go into different times and play as different playable characters. And if you went back in that time as a human, it would, it it would make people more aware of time travels potential where if you go into the past and you almost play as different playable characters, then people aren't relating it to time travel. So then potentially you aren't necessarily like fucking up the timeline in a sense, because people aren't connecting that with, uh, with time travelers, you know, they're just looking at it as, Oh, this is an off the wall theory. And they kind of just throw it out as like lore or entertainment and people aren't looking into it as potentially being like, like time travelers essentially going back and, playing as multiple different fun characters because if in the future time travel potentially becomes something more of like a vacation you know they're going to need some type of like almost like a front you know to be able to go back in different times because you can't just have like a family from 3000 show up in 2000 and be like we're here where's the hotel at
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I imagine if there was some type of time travel there would be some type of you know protocol or something of that nature but also I remember remember in my conversation with Bo on the Bump podcast when he had me on, he did bring up a good point that if time travel was ever possible, then it was always possible because time is constantly, you know, it's if you could go, you know, in, into the future or whatever, the stuff, then you could go into the past or whatever. Then there would be no no barrier as to when you could go back unless it's like some sort of arbitrary thing. Like we're going by quantum leap rules where you can only leap within your lifetime or some shit like that. Or like Terminator rules, or something like that, and you know, because if if it's possible in the future, then it was always possible, type of thing. So with with that that kind of like for me throws a bit of a wrench into the things as as far as you know my opinion of time travel, and when it comes to like if these if these entities like people like to attribute the Hatmen as time travels. Uh, as time travelers sit there, that once they get discovered, then they immediately book it. And I'm like, well, where the fuck are they going? You know, y- there's only the rest of the house to run to. They're going to run into like the rest of the house, and then what? You know, dis- you know, unplug whatever it is, and then disappear, or or something of that nature. It's, it's like, you know, when anything is ultimately discovered, it ultimately books it. You know, because of, oh shit, I've been made. Better get the fuck out of here. And then it's like, well, where the fuck are you going to go? You know, I mean, they they obviously maybe they have to go and log out and they can only log out, you know, at a certain area or something like that. Because if they log out right in front of us, like, what? Are we going to get their PIN number and then we could just like time travel or some shit like that? I don't know. I, I don't, I'm just throwing shit at the wall because I don't know what to make of it.
0: I mean, honestly, too, when it comes to the time travel thing, it may not be something that potentially like it may not be something where you project like your physical self. Maybe it's an aspect of like, you don't necessarily, you almost like project your consciousness or you are able to almost like, uh, like play a character within that time where you're not physically there, but there's like a, like a hologram that you're like playing that character at that time, potentially. And I mean, going into again, another time travel theory, one thing that I've always liked to entertain too, is the fact that kind of like what you're saying that if, time travel is ever possible, then it's always been possible, but continuing off of that, is it ever possible to essentially fuck up a timeline? Because if you went back in time and you did that thing in the past, it's already happened and it's already guaranteed to happen. And whether or not you, it's you in the future going back in time and having this thing change in the past, like it's already happened. It's already set in stone. So whatever you do in the past, it's not going to fuck up the future because you've already done it in the timeline that you're in.
1: Yeah, yeah. Then we go into, like, the multiple timeline theory, and that's where I get into the, like, the whole, well, that kind of fucks it up, too, because there are infinite variables on top of infinite variables. Like, if we were to um, shoehorn in the butterfly effect, because, like, a lot of people say, well, like, well, what about, you know, uh, you know, baby Hitler and stuff like that, which, you know, is everyone's favorite time travel thing time travel paradox, you know, it's like, well, there are infinite variables up there, you know, you could like, you could like um, go back in time and like, you know, you know, uh, direct, you know, you know, uh, just, just block, you know, uh, Adolf's father for like two minutes so that way he never runs into Adolf's mother. And then they, they, they copulate a relationship of of that nature. You know, it's like there are so many infinite variables on top of that that are constantly happening all over the place, in regards to different types of things, you know, I mean, I'm not saying and I, I said, I said to Bo and I said to him, I said, if time travel is real, then that means that we're experiencing the best potential outcome of all time travel. Like we're experiencing the, the best timeline because everything would have been fixed and, and readied and done. And all the set events, like all the 911s, people would have gone through all the variables realized, okay, if we try to make it not happen, something worse happens. Or if we try to do this, then something else happens. So right now the best case scenario is to allow nine eleven to happen so that it can have this psychological effect, which then leaves these, you know, events to occurring. Cause if we take that away, then something worse is gonna happen and or something better and and we don't want people to be happy for whatever fucked up reason. I don't I don't know. I'm just conjecturing. But you know, it's like it's the best case scenario that X is allowed to happen type of thing. And, and I just again, I just don't know what to make of it because there's so many questions.
0: I mean, there could be some things, too, that are almost like necessary evils because there can't be good without bad. So if you went back in time, potentially, and killed every bad character, then there was never a reason for there to be a good character to arise. So, again, it, I'm not getting into the whole theories about like potentially fucking up timelines, whatever. Um, if that isn't actually possible to fuck up timelines, it's like, you need these people in order for the hero characters to rise from them. Otherwise Mm -hmm. there's never going to be a hero character. And then society doesn't progress. And then we may not get to a point where we're able to, uh, do the things that we're, you know, like time travel, all that kind of shit, because there was never a reason for it to exist because everybody's just always been happy. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything's,
1: everything's fucking boring as fuck which is why that's what's happening in comic books right now. Everything's boring as fuck because these writers don't know how to create conflict, which is necessary to facilitate growth. And, and it's like, you know, what what you're describing is, you know, the, the horror of the comic book industry right now, the mainstream comic book industry of shitty writing where the timeline turns into one big shitty writing thing. You know, and do a big old shitty writing prompt and, and yeah. And from what I've read in the comic books, it sounds like that's absolute hell. And I would prefer to have, you know, the, the Ernest Hemingway. I prefer to have my future dictated by a coked up guy who, you know, fucks elephants and shit in, in the forest or whatever, but whatever it is, Ernest Hemingway did before he blew his head off. You know, um, it's, it's just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know that I can add any more to the, to the timeline stuff like that because it's it's one of those, there's so much in the air and so much that I just don't know what to do with.
0: I feel like that's kind of where we're all at. There's a lot of information out there. It's all been collected, but it's just a matter of like putting the pieces of the puzzle together now to potentially figure it out. But even if you completely had it figured out, until we have it set in stone, it's it's always just going to remain a theory. Like you could have every single thing correct. And until somebody has physical, physical proof of everything, like, everybody's mm-hmm. just going to take everything as a theory.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know. And and who knows what the actual solution is going to be. Like, what if we do discover that there is a other there, a sort of a creature that all our vampires and werewolves were actually this singular entity just fucking around, and then we found out, you know, what happens then, what happens to our paradigm then, you know. I mean, because I can understand people like talk about disclosure And even though all the major religions have already answered the question of, well, if aliens are real, we do this, you know, and and there are still people that are hung up on that. Oh, they don't want us to know because it'll ruin religion, even though, again, like I stated earlier, they've all answered the major, the three religions that we give a fuck about have already said, yeah, we don't care if aliens are real. (laughs) But people like to pretend like oh we, they're just holding us. So that way, the religious people, you know, the the unwashed hicks that that we project all our insecurities onto, that we believe are holding us back socially, they're gonna freak the fuck out and and get their shotguns and shit, you know. And it's like yeah, that that's that's not gonna happen, type of thing. And and but you know, it's it's the caveat that people like to hang on to.
0: I mean, kind of going and as, far into-
1: as Oh, God. Uh Sorry. It's just as far as disclosure and stuff like this, you know, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty sure that they're, they, whatever the government is not telling us because, you know, they have secrets to keep and shit like that. And, and, and as far as us socially, you know, we use that as a caveat to, well, they can't let us know the truth because it's, it'll destroy our society when actually it's just, they, they just want to keep their checks and balances in check. And, and us, we like to, Project that onto that because then it makes us feel important and stuff like that nature when it actually it, it's just a sort of a, a a thing of like, you know, we're, ju- we're just we, I, I don't I don't know where I was going with that.
0: Well, I mean, going <laughs> I into, into religions, too. I mean, any major crazy event that's ever happened, they found a way to rationalize it and continue on with what they're doing. So. When it comes to the alien phenomenon, like any any type of weird phenomenon, like it's no different than anything else in the past. There's been a weird shit yeah. that's happened in the past, and they just find a way to rationalize it and fit it into their box and their religion. So yeah, like you see, yeah, it, you exactly. see it in the past. Why wouldn't it be the same in the future?
1: Yeah, and and the thing is, is that I mean, I think it, it's been said we don't want disclosure; we want confirmation. You know, and, and me, I worry about it because what I'm afraid is going to happen. And people just scoff at me is that what I'm afraid is going to happen is that if, a, if the government comes out and they say, yeah, aliens are real, you know, here's the straight poop, they are greys and stuff like that, that. What I'm afraid of is that that's going to give every single kook and guru out there the gold seal of approval. Of, well, the government says aliens are real. So since I'm alien Jesus, you know, it, for the betterment of the world, you have to let me fuck your wife type of thing. And we're <laughs> going to get a lot of that shit. Like all these, these Applegate type of cults and stuff are going to rise up. And that, that's what I'm worried about is the social implication of people exploiting, um, the, the, what would be the reality of alien life. And using it for personal gain. That's what I'm worried about. I'm more worried about that than, you know, whether or not someone's Bible needs to be updated or some shit like this or, or whatever their, their Torah or their, uh, uh, Quran, you know, because again, those are the only religions we really give a shit about in the Western world, even though there's like, a, uh, <clears throat> a whole bunch of them all over the world. That have no problem, you know, putting people in the stars and from other worlds in their paradigms. But for some reason, we only get hung up on three of them because that's just what we deal with because they have political power and stay in our in, in our daily lives.
0: I mean, kind of going into that facet too, um, whether or not it's a person just playing a role or a physical extraterrestrial being. I feel like if there was somebody that came down in front of everybody and said like, this is the universal religion that the majority of people are going to end up switching over to that because people just need something to follow. And if somebody was able to show some type of evidence be it if it's actual evidence or just something that people can trick you into thinking is evidence. like People are, people are going to follow that because that's why the whole push has kind of been towards like science is because people think that they have physical solid proof, not realizing that, again, you're kind of just taking somebody else's word for it because you're not conducting yeah. the experiments yourself. But if you create that false image of there being something solid in front of somebody, like people will instantly flock towards that.
1: Well, people don't even need that, as we saw with the whole pandemic shit people don't even need proof they just need you know well what do the what do the pow- what do the people who i want to like me think that's that's i think was the caveat or, or what do the people the, the more popular people in power what are they thinking so that way i can think that too and then they'll like me type of shit everyone is just vying for someone's approval and, and it's and it's like if there was a universal religion, yeah, it would be trendy as fuck because that's what we are. We glom onto something new until we we you know until we use it up, then we cast it away, looking for the new thing because that's just our primate uh, behavior. That's just how we act as a society. And if a new religion, universal religion, yeah, people would glom onto it, and they. And then within 60 years, it would then have, you know, several sects. We would have, you know, I'm a universitarian Lutheran. Oh, yeah, well, I'm a universitarian Baptist type of thing. We, it would just then splinter off into all this other offshoots and shit like that. So, yeah, I mean, I, it, it would be a cool thing. Yeah, I, I think And mean, if any religion wants to come down, yeah, I have your say. It just knows that when you come here, you're going to get exploited as fuck.
0: My question is, would it be no different from paganism to Christianity, where they want people to intentionally move over to this new religion, so they start taking facets of the old religion, hide it within the new religion, and make that transition period an easier thing? So like, I honestly think that Christianity, for example, if there was some type of like universal religion that came, the first thing that they'd be hopping on trying to do is rationalize how God and Jesus and whatever would fit into that. And if they weren't mm. able to do that, then they would accommodate the holidays and make it fit into this new narrative and people would just kind of blend and flow over into that like they've always kind of done in the past where everybody has that crowd mentality yeah, and just yeah. follows the herd, yeah. you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. The the Christmas phenomena. The the Yuletide shit, the 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 carryover from the pagan faith and stuff like this so that way people would still follow the faith it's like well we still get to get drunk and shit yeah yeah but we're getting drunk for Jesus type of thing mm-hmm. and and it's it's it yeah i mean I, I could definitely see something like that happening you know if if a new if a new faith comes along that's like interplanetary and then like so well we get we still get christmas right cuz we still want presents and shit we still want to celebrate and and do all this stuff yeah i'm sure that it would then be forced to ebb and flow to appease us until we leave the planetary. Then it's no different. Like, you know, cause if, if any example of a faith is as versatile there, I don't think there's any faith more versatile than Christianity because it has bent over backwards for so many to accommodate so many people across the world because, you know, I mean, just look at the, the Lutheran, the Baptist, the, the Protestant and all this stuff. I mean, they're even going to war with each other and shit like this. And, and they're all Christians, you know, supposedly. But it, it yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing of, of just, you know, if, if it was a universal religion, I would like to see what would happen in 60 years where it would get then, you know, in two generations where it would then get tainted and what it would then evolve into. Because pretty soon, you know, I mean,
0: it'd be unrecognizable within a
1: couple hundred years from the original yeah. thing,
0: just like any religion that's been based on yeah. Earth.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I want to know is how quickly would you get canceled for making fun of it? Oh, yeah. How, how, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, not, not to step into that beehive, but uh, man, the thing that happened with yay, if I could teach you that, I mean, that taught us pretty much that even in our today's culture. Fuck you, money doesn't count anymore. Mm-hmm. It used to mean something. And now it's like, well, we'll just take that away, you know. And I love how, you know, you have your Aaron, Aaron, Andrew Schultz, you know, going like uh, on his tirades about how, you know, God awful, you know, oh, you, you're talking about this and, and worthy the this and where the that. And I love how everyone's trying to say, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say that. But no one's coming out saying, okay, here's where he's wrong. No one's saying that. They're just saying he shouldn't say that not that he's wrong type of thing and, and that that's what i found is astounding but still anyway you know i mean i'm pretty sure with the universal religion i'd love to see who would get offended on its behalf here because <laughs> because the 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 mental gymnastics about you know the cancel culture now is how would cancel culture adapt to it and and I'd, I'd definitely be, you know, I'd jump onto it first just to get the fuck off this planet, just so I could see, like, hey, take me to your comedy clubs or something like that. Let me see what you guys do. Let me learn about your culture and shit like that. Cause I've, I've had an, I've had it up to here with my own. <laughs> Let's trade comic books, you know, and shit like that. I mean, when does it
0: come into an aspect of like, uh, you know, people are, would be you get to a point where it's like, oh, you're not an extraterrestrial, so you have no right to follow that religion. Like, it, it when, when, is, when would it be start getting to that point where people would think that they're doing something virtuous by telling people that they don't fit into that category? But, you know, <laughs> you, you're
1: appropriating that culture. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. one more thing to get offended by. One more thing to get offended on the behalf of type of thing. Yeah, that'd definitely be a, a a hurdle when we get to it. But other than that, I, I really don't know what to make of it anymore. You know, I, I wish I could say more about it, but I I just can't because, again, it's like I just don't know. Yeah. And that's all we can do, man. is just theorize.
0: Mm-hmm. But uh, we're running up on about an hour and 45 or so. So that being said... um. You know, I definitely think that we could run way longer, but that just leaves opportunities for more shows, which I always like to have. So <laughs> for, uh I always like to do at the end of the show, uh, words of wisdom from the guest to the listeners. So, you know, it can be based off the conversation we've had, or if there's just anything in specific that you've liked to go about going through your life, um, what words of wisdom would you like to bestow on the listeners?
1: Oh, yeah, that's easy. If your balls itch, scratch them. And this <laughs> applies if you're a boy or a girl, you know, just... If they itch, give them a good scratch. That's all I got to (laughs) say.
0: Hey, I mean, if you want to pull it into some deeper thought on that one, too, you can do the same thing about knowledge. If you have something (laughs) that seems off that needs to get scratched, go scratch and figure out what the hell's (laughs) going on with it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What he said.
0: But uh, for anybody that's enjoyed the conversation, uh, where can they come and find you at? Um, Where are you the most active and where can they find your podcast?
1: Yeah, you can find me pretty much anywhere podcasts are, you know, just look up conspire theory podcast. If not, you may have to search it up on Google and, and grab the RSS feed and plug it into your, uh, your, your podcatcher of choice. Um, you can find me, um, most active on Instagram. Just look up conspire a theory, put underscore between all the words, conspire a theory with underscores between them. And I'm most active on Instagram. And that's usually the, the two places that you'll find me most. And then from there on, you can find me other places as well. But it, that's basically the primary places to find me first.
0: I really appreciate you making the time to come on the show today, man. And I've really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this was fantastic. It went places that I really didn't think it would go, but you know, you got me a chance to really stretch out my muscles in other areas when it comes to conversations and stuff like this. And I definitely thank you for that, and I look forward to any future conversations that we could have. That's what I love about this show, man, and that's why, like we're
0: talking about before we started the fa- the show, is that I like to keep it open conversation style because you never know where you might end up. And I also Mm -hmm. appreciate the fact that on my show, I kind of try to make it like a mental workout for myself where I get into some weird Mm -hmm. off the wall theories, Um, just entertaining the ideas because, you know, the brain's a muscle, man. The only way that you're ever going to be able to expand your mind and really start to grasp out there weird concepts is if you, you know, take the time to do the workouts, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and thank you for having me on my show. I definitely appreciate you reaching out to me. You've definitely shown me a lot of you know brand new content, introduced me to a lot of new people. I, I think you had what is it, Connor Flynn, on your show recently? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, he's yeah. Awesome I, I've dude. been a, I I've been on a few live streams with him. It's going to be a couple of days before I retouch that episode because you know usually I can listen to a show at like two and a half speed with him. I have to take it down to like half the speed because he goes a mile a minute. He shoots out of a fucking cannon. God damn. I mean, it's like, I'll say this much. Uh, Alex Stein is the Colin Flint of politics. Cause Jesus Christ, that guy's got like shot out of a cannon. He, he's so awesome. And most, I've been on live streams where he's come on and it, it's just, I, I love the stuff that he says, but I got to slow it down a little bit so I can keep up <laughs> with it. Cause you have some great guests on your show. And I, I think I just finished one with a, what is it? Uh, peaches.
0: Oh, uh, um, um, Julia from Cosmic Beach.
1: Yeah, that was her, her accounts were quite harrowing and, and really intriguing. And it's, it's just fascinating. All the, all the people that you've spoken to and talked to and all that stuff. And, and your friend Kyle as well, you know, when you guys do the big dumb inquiries and stuff like this, you know, I mean, I, I'm really enjoying this show and I'm so glad to be a part of it. I, I hope I can come on and, you know, maybe. Be part of a roundtable or talk to like other people as well because it's just so many interesting conversations coming onto this show and and you know I definitely want to get my hooks in it as well. Oh
0: yeah, man, you're always welcome. I'll have to set up something for you to come on Big Dumb Inquiries. But as far as I'm sure it might, it's probably the same for you. Half the reason why I started the podcast is so that I would be able to have these conversations because mm-hmm. when it comes to just like real world type stuff, it's like. You have to kind of keep things a little bit shallow until you kind of get a feel for people. And then you can kind of start expanding and throwing ideas in and building up. But it seems like when it comes to podcasting, you can just get into the deep nitty gritty right away. And that's like (laughs) one of my favorite aspects about it is you don't have to worry about like, is this person going to think I'm crazy? You can just hop right in with, what do you think about aliens, man?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. And thank you. Thank you for your time as well.
0: Anytime you want to come on the show, you're always welcome. And Approaching the end of the show, I got to do my, my little end of the run stuff. So, uh, if anybody's interested in being a guest on the show, if anybody's interested in sponsoring the show, if anybody has a topic that they want discussed on the show or a guest that they would love to see on the show, or just in general, if you feel that you have anything you can contribute to the show to help the show grow, I definitely want to hear from you. So, don't be afraid to shoot me a message. Um, you can email me. The email is inquiries of our reality podcast at outlook.com or You know, if if you're not a big fan of email, you don't likely use an email. Go and shoot me a shoot me a message on Instagram. That seems to be the thing that I'm the most active on. So, definitely go through Instagram before any of the other social medias. But again, at the end of the show, I'm going to give you all the link trees again. And if you didn't quite catch them in the beginning and at the end, you know they're they're down in the show description. But if you want to check out the Inquiries of Our Reality link tree, it's L-A-N-K-T-R-P-E-E slash Inquiries of Our Reality podcast. And if you want to check out the Umbrella of all the shows and all the fun stuff I do. That's going to be Open Minds Media. And that's L-A-N-K-T-R period E-E slash open underscore minds underscore media. And with that, I hope all of you enjoyed the show and I'll catch you on the next one. Have a good night, everybody.